In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thank you so much for joining us, and happy Friday. I'm Brian Truitt, I watch movies, and if this is your first time listening to us, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. And hey, while you're on Apple Podcasts, wouldn't it be swell if you could write a quick review about the show? By doing that, you'll be helping other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. And as a thank you, we'll give you a very special shout-out on our next episode. So try it out. Tell us what you want to see from the show moving forward. It's all upside for you. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at MothershipPod, or you can send an email to MothershipPod at USAToday.com. On to the main topic. Here's a clip. It's been three centuries. It stops here. It stops with us. Who the hell was that? How should I know? She was hot. The seemed normal. Amazing observation. Your best chance is to run from this place. Go, go, go! In Side, we're all cursed. The devil is in me. Any tips for fighting these things? Try not to die. Welcome to the suck. That was a clip from Fear Street, the new horror trilogy from Netflix based in the R.L. Stein novels. The series reinvents the R-rated teen slasher by paying homage to old-school horror films and creating a mythology involving teens, a history of serial killers, and a witch's curse. The Scream-inspired first film was set in 1994. Streaming today is the second chapter set at a summer camp in 1978. And next week's finale goes all the way back to 1666. The films are directed by this week's special guest, Lee Janiak. She also helmed the great horror film Honeymoon and chatted with me about all things Fear Street. Thanks for coming on the show, Lee. Hey, nice to meet you. How's everything going? You know, it's been a long day, but it's good. It's, I can't complain. Well, hopefully, hopefully you can end it soon. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we've, we've, it's, a Scream came out 25 years ago, and in recent years, horror films like Hereditary, The Witch, and even Honeymoon, you know, they really led the way in terms of a high-end, thoughtful golden age of the genre. But have we maybe been a little overdue in another reinvention of the rousing mainstream teen slasher? I think definitely. I love, like, I love, obviously, I love Hereditary. I love kind of Babadook, all of those kinds of, like, movies that I think have really kind of reinvigorated horror, like you said, with kind of this mm-hmm. art house kind of cool vibe um but those are dark movies and yeah i will include like my first movie in that too it's dark um and i think that but good, and dark in a good way in a good dark way in a very good way sure, <laughs> yeah. for, sure, for sure not in like a bad way just it's a very different kind of vibe than mm-hmm. movies like scream or kind of the even the slashers of the 80s and the 70s so for me i was kind of really excited about i thought the same is like kind of your question of like 
yeah, we are overdue for this. Um, so I was excited about that, but I was also kind of like, why? Like, why should we do this now? And how can we make it different? So we're not just kind of being like, oh, a slasher movie. Like I really kind of wanted to try to do something a little bit new that made mm -hmm. it feel, um, feel like there was a reason for it and not just because I love the, I love the subgenre. Mm. When you first, I mean, I know you've been working on this for quite a while. When you first started conceiving the story some years ago, was the queer love story and focus on marginalized folks there from the beginning, or did those themes gradually make their way in as you were developing and writing the script and everything? No, that was kind of, I mean, that was one of the earliest things that kind of motivated what Fear Street was going to be. And honestly, like kind of to, to piggyback off of what I was saying about my other question of like, why the movies should exist. And I think that part of that for me was looking back at those classic slasher genre and kind of saying, okay, we usually have a very specific type of person that exists in these movies. And, mm -hmm. and we have an opportunity here to kind of craft a narrative that, that changes that. And it's part of the mythology of Shadyside of that this is a group of outsiders, of, of generations of people that have been told that they're other, or they're not good enough and that they're bad. And so um, in doing that, I felt like we could update the genre a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, it was there from the very beginning. It was kind of baked into everything that we did and it kind of everything kind of trickled down from that. Well, speaking of, I think, you know, the relationship between Sam and Dean is not something we see in a lot of these movies, you know, where in the past, they might have not, not have made it very long into the horror film. I mean, by after the after the school scene, they might they might be toast. Um, there's a there's a lot going on that you juggle in here. But was that perhaps the main thing you felt you needed to get right? Was that that core relationship and every, you know everything else kind of revolves around that? Totally. I think that like as at its core, Fear Street is weirdly a love story, and mm -hmm. it's the love of these two girls um, and their kind of their their motivation to figure out figure it out right to like save each other to realize that they're better with each other that kind of drives them further into ultimately realizing not only can we be together we can change things we can save the town um so everything kind of spawned from that and the idea that this was something that a version of this existed back in 1666 um all of that was there and it was important that we kind of kept that love feeling very true um, and real and flawed and not perfect right off the bat. Um, they're still teenagers kind of figuring things out. Um, so, so that was really, really important. And, you know, the other thing that was important, I think, to me and to my fellow writers, um, you know, was making sure that, yes, like love is universal. We all understand kind of what it means to be in love, to find someone that we love that isn't perfect. Um, but it's not a straight love story. It's a queer mm. love story. And that, that, that to us was really important to maintain. And um, my writing partner, Phil, who, who is gay, you know, spent a lot of time reminding us of that, of like, it's not the same thing. We can't just tell a straight story that has two girls in it. Like there's right. things that we have to acknowledge and understand about the world of the nineties, which is not the world of today. Um, so that was, that was also, I think, very cool to be able to, to recognize that, it really is a different story that we're telling. It's about going extremes for people you love, you know, not only kind yeah. of like romantic love, but you know, your family, you know, the friends totally. that you've made along the way and like battling, battling serial killers from beyond the grave, you know, to, to, you know <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's a very, you know, it's a classic trope, but yeah. it especially pays attention, you know, it, it, you pay so close attention to it here because it's a town full of outsiders that's, you know, they're kind of identified by this. Mm 
and they almost kind of wear as a sense of pride as you know more and more as you go through the story totally and and it exists in the second movie like you said like there it's not romantic love that's at the core of that it's it's friendship and it's family it's the it's the relationship between the two sisters and also Mm -hmm. between alice and cindy and their friendship and kind of figuring it out so yeah it's kind of clearly i have a thing about like about love stories and making them destroyed and then trying to put them back together. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You obviously play with the final girl trope and and others, you know, you pay homage to the past in some ways. You also upend things. But when you were thinking about creating a trilogy of movies with a bigger mythology and where characters and actors come back, even when you think they're done, did you look at bigger franchise, uh, non-horror franchises like the Marvel movies or Fast and Furious for inspiration on like, well, I've got to build this big mythology. You know, let's, how do I do that? Yeah, for sure. I think one of the earliest things that, that we talked about that I even, I remember talking about in kind of my first meeting about it was, okay, I think we should look to Marvel and what they've done in their universe. And we have an opportunity here to kind of start laying the groundwork for a horror universe. Um, and so that's easier said than done. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. very challenging. Um, but but definitely kind of looking at the way that they did that and how you kind of introduce characters that you're hinting at a bigger world that exists for them. Um, that was really important. Um, and also, um, Back to the Future. Someone reminded mm-hmm. me of that earlier, that that was also like one of the things that we thought about a lot was how kind of Back to the Future does that and, and is mm-hmm. able to kind of like have our characters kind of in different time periods playing different roles and kind of watching them kind of um, evolve. So yeah, that was the other the other inspiration. And also, it's also brilliant. I mean, we had to wait like two years between Back to the Future films. People just had to wait one week for this. I mean, and I, and, I, and I understand, you know, it's just like for you guys, it was tough because it was like 106 days together, a whole bunch of night, you know, yeah. night shoots and like, you know, yeah. you were probably like, probably hating the whole the whole hybrid thing at that point when you're making it but like it's so cool now because you don't because it almost matches the world it 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 comes in because it's not you know you can binge it later on but like you have that week-to-week thing and it's not just a tv show these are like real movies and you really want to know what happens and how they all interact and you don't have to wait that long i i'm so happy that you're saying that because agreed it's super fun it's cool it's new um it was crazy when we were shooting them um but it was also fun it was you know it was a hard shoot 106 days is a lot and it's it's a lot of nights like you said um and it's challenging to kind of move from era to era and and world to world but it was it was so fun it was so fun (laughs) so (laughs) i'm just i'm excited that like the movies are done now and finally we get to share them with the world for you as a filmmaker, though, kind of going from like like a Scream era film to something from like Friday the 13th yeah. to like, you know, something from The Witch or The New World, you know, just something that like we have not, you know, we have not seen a lot in this genre, maybe, especially when it comes to slashers. Yeah. In terms of your own mindset, was that was that an interesting trick to, you know, to, to go to, you know, kind of bounce through time? Yeah, it was really, it was, it was, it was challenging to be able to kind of like shift because tonally the movies are so different. So obviously Mm -hmm. like style and camera and all of that was different, but just tonally in the world and like how these characters were existing and what the scare was like in the world, what the kills were like, they're different. And kind of the best way for me to do that was honestly the playlists and kind of 
like being able to kind of just put my headphones on and live in this space of this music, which immediately kind of made me feel away and kind of mm -hmm. was able to ground me in a time and a place. Um, so I did that for all three. Um, and, and that was really, really, that was, that was the best thing for me. I love the opening because it feels very scream-like and it's meta-ness. You know, Maya Hawk was last seen in a mall and Stranger Things. Yeah. You know, I'm sure that's part, part of why you did that. Do you envision Fear Street as the next step for those young fans who have been, you've stepped into this age nostalgia, but are now a little bit more grown up and are ready for a more mature, like, 90s vibe? I hope so. I hope that people are excited to kind of like take it up a notch and, and learn about a new decade and kind of push the envelope as far as like blood and gore and, um, you know, a different kind of tonal feeling. Um, I hope so. <laughs> well, I, I like that they were kind of radar. You know, you have the cursing, you have the gore, the, the sex and that sort of thing, because yeah. that was very much of the time. Yeah. But it's just like you don't have kids you know kids sneaking into theaters you have kids sneaking onto their netflix accounts now totally. and it's like it is there's still like a cool still kind of a forbidden thing you know kids yeah. who know you know kids are seeing a lot more than i ever saw for sure you know, now. <laughs> so it's, it's a different thing totally but i mean i feel like there's still kind of like a forbidden thing about watching a rated r film that's that might be a little bit too old for them yeah i feel like um I just thought about going to the like the blockbuster or the Hollywood video and kind of like convincing parents to rent like an R-rated movie and how exciting <laughs> that was. And or like turning on like, you know, the TV late at night and there were things airing that I definitely should not have been watching. And there was so much kind of excitement in discovering that and pushing the envelope of what was allowed. And I think that um Hopefully that exists with these movies too. I don't know if I should be saying that, but I hope that the, <laughs> that that, people, that little like ten and eleven year olds are like, "Ooh, I'm gonna really scar myself here, but I'm doing it." <laughs> um, you know, kind of was Scream like was it, was that a gateway for you in terms of when you, when you were younger and when, you know into horror, or was yeah. it something else? No, I mean, I, I I was I was a kid in the '80s, and then I was mm -hmm. a teenager in the '90s. So right. my first kind of like entree into horror was watching things like Child's Play, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, weirdly, Psycho was one mm -hmm. that I saw very early on because my mom was like, slasher movies are too gross. Watch Psycho. And I was like, what are you talking about? This is like <laughs> it was the original so disturbing. Movie. So disturbing. Um, so those were kind of like the first wave of things. And then mm -hmm. uh, Scream came out in 1996 when I was 16. And it was like, mind-blowing for me of how this movie could be so meta and so cool and so fun and then so disturbing at the same time and scary um that i mean it lives for me as like one of the best movies ever made period so yeah mm -hmm. what well, has you know fear street has so much in common with that but i feel like there's also a lot of lost boys and goonies and yeah, just like totally. there's a, you know there's obviously this kind of like gory horror yeah. on top slathered on top of everything yeah. but it's really about you know it's you cheer for these people it's not like you know you're looking forward to seeing them get off you're rooting for them rather oh, than just waiting that. for the last person to, to die I love that. And I'm glad you're calling out both Lost Boys and Goonies because those were huge. And one of the first ways that I kind of talked about the second movie, which is obviously a camp horror movie, but mm -hmm. there's also this huge element of kind of discovering more about what's going on underneath this, this town. And right. uh, it was a lot of discussing it and calling it Horror Goonies. Um, <laughs> Goonies was one of my favorite movies of all time. I think that VHS tape got a whole warning. In it. <laughs> I watched it so many times. Um, 
so yeah, completely. There's this adventure, there's a mystery element to, to Fear Street, which I think is really exciting beyond just blood and guts and gore. What's the weirdest inspiration maybe? Um, I think the new world. I think when I say that to people, they're like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that Malik's the new world is, is the weirdest. Um, it, for me, it makes total sense. It's obviously not a horror movie, but I think that there's something just really amazing about watching how he, he has this beautiful, pure world. And then the colonists come over, the settlers come over and they just destroy it. And they just make it disgusting. And that the settlement, I remember watching the settlement, which is I think this like amazing set that I think Jack Fisk designed. Um, and it's just muddy and everyone feels like they're full of disease. And meanwhile, like outside of that, it's like beautiful and lovely and pure. And so watching how kind of that beautiful space can be corrupted um, to me was very inspiring for the for the third movie. And obviously the camera work, it's gorgeous. I mean, all of the things, but but yeah. Mm. Cool. Well, I appreciate you taking the time talking. Hopefully we can talk some spoilers at some point. Yeah, I would love to. So just let me know. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, Lee. Good cool. luck with everything. Okay, listeners, your turn. Are you catching up on Fear Street this weekend? What's your favorite slasher film? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, but you can also tweet us individually. I'm at Brian Truitt. You can reach Brett at BrettMillian23. And you can get Kelly at KLawls, K-L-A-W-L-S. And don't forget, you can email us too. We're at MothershipPod at USAToday.com. But we're going to wrap things up here. Thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilot slash producer of The Mothership this week, Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, how about leaving us a rating or review? It helps other people find the podcast. But if Apple Podcasts aren't your jam, you can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next week, nerds out.